Welcome into a brand new 300 yards to unknown. I'm Rick Gaiman coming to you from Blue Wire Studios at the Win Las Vegas with a new kind of concept, new kind of idea, something I've been thinking about for a long time. And I said, if I'm going to do something different, I, I got to find someone I can trust. So let me bring in <laughs> CBS Sports golf writer, author of Normal Sport, my buddy, Kyle Porter, KP. Welcome in. Thank you for doing this. Well, I'm, I'm glad you uh, it, it's scary that you feel like you can trust me because uh, <laughs> there's no telling what I'm going to say today about uh, one of my favorite topics in all of sports. Um, but yeah, I. Listen, we were talking off air, I, and, I, and I think people <clears throat> see this come through whenever we're live and, and doing these shows. We could talk about this stuff for six hours. We're limited right. to one or 30 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever, but uh, it's super fun. So I, I always enjoy doing this and uh, always enjoy chatting with you. Yeah, I was going to have a couple of like appetizers to to get in before this, but I think we need all the time that that, that we can get. <laughs> so I'll, I'll unveil the topic in a second. But I was I was thinking about it as I was driving in here. Um, normal sport, KP. I, I think it's the only book I've actually read in like at least like three years, which is probably says something about <laughs> about me and a problem that I have in my own life. But like that, that's what it took. It took for you to write a book about golf and the actual insanity that is our sport for me to actually open up a book and, and flip through it. Well, and apparently you said you like read it twice. Multiple uh, times. I read it twice on vacation. I think I read it once when, when we got back. So I think I'm, I think I'm, <laughs> I think I'm three deep. <laughs> so that counts as three books. Yeah. That yeah. might, that might be more on you than it is on anybody <laughs> else, but no, I appreciate you saying that. I, you know, I think it's interesting because since I wrote the book last fall and, and into the winter, <clears throat> And I, I, I didn't know this would happen. I, I, I thought it might, but it's kind of caught on as like people will send me normal sport screenshots all the time or videos or whatever. And so it's almost become a little bit of the part of the golf Twitter lexicon where I got a, I got a screenshot today. I didn't see it, but Max Homo is playing in front of a guy that looks like ZZ Top. And he's got this beard like down to his belly button. And it just looks like, you know, he, he's got this weird, like Max has this weird shirt on that looks like a, uh, what, what's the thing that when you stare at it, you see, like an illusion. Uh, or what, one of those, one of those, um, one of those puzzles where you try to cross your eyes or the, uh, yes. What, what is that? Hold on. I'll, I'll Google it. Puzzle. Um, but anyway, the whole thing is just, you, 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 people send me that stuff all the time now and it's super fun. I think it makes this stuff that we do on a daily basis, which can get, repetitive and look the same everybody people i don't know if people say this to you but people are like oh golf that's kind of kind of boring and you're like i understand why you're saying that but also like we amuse ourselves by finding these little goofy things within the sport that right. make it to me super entertaining so and, do and people say that to you also yeah but it's the more you know the more entertaining it becomes because then you can reference Oh, like Joel Damon's playing with Sung Kang again. Like, oh boy, here we go. Like, you know what I mean? Yes. Like the more you totally. know, the more fun it is. Yeah. And that's probably true in any industry that gets covered or that you're into. Um, but yeah, connecting the dots, I think is, I think it's something that in this uh, kind of media era, you have to be good at because we don't have a lot of the access that, um, you know, 
people that covered golf 60 years ago had. I just read a book called, it's actually somewhere behind me, um, <clears throat> called Arnie by Tom Callahan. Mm. And the access that he had and that a lot of those older writers had to not just players, but superstars was unbelievable. And I think that if that's not going to be the case going forward, and I think a lot of players, agents have made sure that it's not going to be the case, then when you can connect the dots, when you can make, we have to be observationists, right? And I think that that is a, it's a, it's a, it requires a lot of effort, but it's also a skill that you kind of develop over time. And I think that's part of what makes it fun. Uh, A magic eye. KP, is that what you would call it? A magic eye. The official name. Yeah. Auto stereogram. Like I, I think I think Max Home is shirt. If you cross your eyes when you're looking at it, it might show uh, Harry Higgs uh, lifting <laughs> his shirt up when you look at it too closely. That's so good. All right, let's jump into this. So the, the whole idea. So what I wanted to do is I thought there was uh, maybe not a need for this, but I thought there would be a desire to like spend too much time covering one thing, Kyle. It might be a shot. A single shot, it might be a single tournament, a single hole plate, a, a single golfer, a single seat. Like, just something to say, holy crap, we're going to deep dive this and see what see what comes out. And uh, I thought it was very natural to start with one Jordan Alexander Spieth uh, and just ride the roller coaster with you. Why, why, why did I choose you for Spieth? Why, why is this? Why are you so closely associated with this guy? Alexander the Great. Um <laughs> <clears throat> I, yeah, I, I mean, listen, like everything on golf Twitter is a, at least a little bit of a bit, at least from my end. But and so it's fun to lean into the like, I, I love like <clears throat> everything that Spieth does. And I love riding the roller coaster with him. I've actually got a picture behind me of him. Yeah, I see it uh, on a roller coaster, <laughs> which is part of the normal sport thing. But <laughs> I think he is compelling because, and I, and I think there's a couple of guys in the post tiger era that are compelling because they're doing pretty historic things that don't seem historic, uh, because of what tiger did. Mm. Right. So you win the masters at 21, you win three majors by 25 and people are like, nah, I've seen that. I, I saw that like 10 years ago. I saw that 15 years ago. And you're like, no, you, you don't understand what's happening here. And so part of me feels compelled to like kind of scream this from the rooftops. But then I think the other part of me is he is for, for some reason. And I don't, I, I, I struggle to explain this cause I don't totally know what the reason is, but there's three or four guys in the sport. And this is true in all sports that are just magnetic, yep. right? Steph Curry is amazing at basketball, just objectively. But he's also magnetic in a way that I don't I don't know what that is. Uh, but there's a magnetism to Spieth that I think is it's something that Phil had. Obviously, Tiger has it. Yeah, I think Rory has it. But you you get only two, three, four guys in a generation that have it. And I, I don't. Again, I don't know what words to use to explain it. But you you can't not be compelled by them, whether you like them or not. Right. You're always compelled, and I think that is something that Spieth has that not not everybody else has. Yeah, it's a two-part recipe. You've got the historic angle, which 
Other guys have been on similar pit. Like Brooks Kepka has done historic things, uh, but Brooks Kepka doesn't make me feel the way Jordan Spieth makes me feel. And Jordan right. Spieth, uh, I, I don't know. He just, one, he's human, right? Like if he hits a bad shot or does something stupid, he just tells you he does something stupid. So there's a, a humanization to Jordan Spieth. And he's had the, like the fact that we can even describe the career as the roller coaster and we'll go through it. Like it, it's, Man, the highs are high, the lows are low, and yeah, even if you don't like it, he invokes a reaction from you every single time he swings a golf club. He does, and I think, I'm glad you brought up the human side. He, he did a great interview with, excuse me, uh, No Ain't Up last year where he talked about how because uh, Chris Solomon, who interviewed him, was talk, was like, why, why, do you, why are you so obsessed with this? Like, you've made... <laughs> A billion dollars like you don't you don't you're not you're not required to like grind like you are this was this was i guess right after he won the texas open and kind of em, emerged from the wilderness and he, and spee said like listen money can become such a crutch when you're in my position and i just love the game and i love being competitive and i want to be great and i and i felt like that was such a um in a weird way, like a relatable answer, mm. because he was he was kind of saying like I I don't like the money is the money, and I, but I don't really like think about it in in a way that I think a lot of us believe that we would think about it right. if we were in that position, and so it's almost like he's, I mean, you know, the one of us gif that gets thrown around on on Twitter. Uh, it feels like he plays like us a lot of times, and then I think there are often times that he he talks like we hope that we would as well. Right. And I, and I think him and Rory have both done a really good job from a young age of just being. <clears throat> so, we, so we talked to my wife and I talked to our kids all the time about being wise and being curious. And I think both of those guys embody like a curiosity about golf and about life, but also a wisdom that is beyond how old they are. Uh, and Spieth has always done that. I think he's always been great at it. So there's just a lot there that I don't even remember what your question was, but there's a lot there that I think is incredibly compelling, obviously from a golf standpoint, because you're making eights and twos and you're all over the planet, but also from just like a being a human standpoint as well. There's uh, seemingly a fine line between wisdom and curiosity, isn't there, Kyle? I mean, like you, I, I assume the way that you, that you angle that is like, yeah, like it's it's good to it's good to have wisdom, right? Know know what you know, but also continue to try to learn, continue to be curious about things uh, that can offer different perspectives or different points of view, right? Well, I and I think they f they feed into each other. So I think curiosity leads to wisdom because not everything that you're curious about you're going to add to your to your arsenal to your repertoire. And I think this is that's where I, I actually think. And maybe Speed has gotten into a little <laughs> bit of trouble there. I think Rory's been really good about, for the most part, he's a, a curious person, even about golf. But he's stayed with the same coach Speed has as well, um, and and kind of done the same stuff that got him to where he is. But you're right, like you, you my high school baseball coach used to say this. Like he, he used to kind of instruct us, like you need to take, go watch a ton of guys. And take what you like and kind of form your own swing or your own um, like 
pitching repertoire or whatever. And so, yeah, that's the encouragement, like for me to, to our kids. And I think that those are my favorite athletes that are curious, but also wise about, um, what they kind of add to how, how they continue to progress and not go down a path that maybe they shouldn't go down, especially in golf. We've seen guys do that all the time. Martin Keimer comes to mind, different guys like that, that are curious, but maybe not as wise. And that leads to some bad places. Uh, you mentioned kind of how long Jordan Spieth has been doing this. Uh, how I, I always forget how good he was like as a junior player and in college, because it doesn't look like the guys that we see in the college stuff now or in the junior stuff now, who they all just have like the purest swings in the world. And Spieth's always had that like chicken wing little thing that he does. And it just like never looked as pretty. He was an unbelievably accomplished junior player, uh, was awesome at Texas the year that he was there. Uh, That to me generally never even gets lumped into a lot of the stuff that Spieth does just because there's so much stuff to talk about as a professional and all the great successes that he had almost immediately on tour, but he's an unbelievably accomplished junior player. Do you think some of it is also because it didn't like when I think about Colin Morikawa's junior career, it looked great, mm-hmm. right? It looked, you watch it and you're like, oh, that's a, that's a pro. Yep. And when you watch speed, no one, like, no one said that, but 13 year old Jordan speed. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Like he's good, I guess. But, the, but I, 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 I mean, I'm kind of joking, but I think that plays into I think why it doesn't get talked about as much. Do you agree? For sure. And he's he's said plenty of times, like when he was growing up, like obviously he went to the range, but what they did for practice was just play. He just played. And I feel like some yeah. of these guys now that have, okay, I've got a simulator and a driving range and a launch monitor and I've got cameras and I'm going to look like Colin Morikawa when I swing a golf club or I'm going to look like Adam Scott. Jordan Spieth was like, I'm just going to put the ball in the cup. Like, I'm just going to go do that instead of grinding on the range. And he got very, very good at putting the ball in the cup. Yeah. And I think that's why it's a little bit discouraging to hear him talk about having like five different swing thoughts at the same time, like all these different things where you're like, man, is that in granted, like, I didn't know him when he was 17. He probably was developing a swing and like, it's not like he's not dumb as it relates to the swing. Um, but I do think that's a little bit, and I actually think Scheffler's like that a little bit too, Scotty Scheffler, where it doesn't look, maybe it's a Texas thing. It doesn't look <laughs> great, but he just scores. And that's such a, that's such an art. Like it's such a, I don't mean to sound like an 80, 80 year old, but it's, it's, that's like, that's like how, like, would I rather watch Colin Morikawa or Rory McIlroy swing rather than Spieth? <laughs> For sure. Like, if we're on the range, I'm not posting up behind Spieth. I'm posting up behind Brooks Kepka, uh, Rory, wh- whoever. But I love, like, <laughs> and, and I think that, like, it sometimes gets framed as, like, oh, Spieth, the underdog, because, like, he doesn't, because it doesn't look great. You're like, look. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like that seems like a little bit of a stretch to consider anyone, as you pointed out, two U.S. Uh, junior AMs, Walker Cup, all this different stuff. Right. I remember. I don't know if you were covering golf at the time. It was like one of my first years covering golf, and he played in the Byron Nelson as a 16 year old. Yeah, I was. And I remember. Just a I was. Fan. Living, I was. I remember it as a fan. Yeah, not, not like. And I remember being in Dallas. I, I still live in Dallas, but being in Dallas, and everybody was freaking out yeah. about. 
oh, there's this 16-year-old playing in the Byron Nelson. And at the time, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, that's a fun story. And little did I know, I'd have a poster of him, you know, behind me on a podcast with with uh, you like 10 years later or whatever. I guess it was 12 years later. Um, so, yeah, he he's always been uh, great. But I think in a in a weird way, he's also kind of always been undervalued and underrated. I think if you go back... Like him and JT obviously always get compared together because they were the same age and did all the same stuff growing up. And I think if you asked anybody along the way, like who's the guy out of these guys, people would have said JT. And and I've talked to people that covered them at that age when they were 16, 18, 20. And it was always JT. Not that Spieth was bad, but it, it he just wasn't thought of as like, can't miss. It, which, I mean... He was thought of as like he's going to be really good, but not like generationally good. If, if I if I asked you that right now, you still might say JT, right? Like they're like if I you know. if you ask someone Spieth or JT every year for fifteen for the last fifteen years, there might have been like a three and a half year stretch in which you said Jordan Spieth, but for the most part, you would have said Justin Thomas, which is crazy. Yeah, and they've had. I mean, Spieth is just objectively so far had the better career. It's not even really close. Quite honestly, uh, I mean the major it's, championships. It's getting, it's getting closer. It's getting closer because JT passed him and wins. Uh, but the majors, yeah, it's it's any you know. Again, we we could we did do a podcast about this, but like, how much do you value majors over consistency? There's just so much. I was thinking about this yesterday actually because <clears throat> Andy Johnson of the Fried Egg came out with like a this kind of. This formula for evaluating players. Okay, I haven't, points. I haven't read, I haven't looked at it yet, but I have it bookmarked. <laughs> so tell me about. Yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 great. It's compelling. I disagreed with some of his point system, but it's like a it's like a cool way to um, designate who's been the best player of the last five years or ten years or whatever. And I was thinking about how golf is almost like remember the old college football. Um, like when they decided the the national champion oh, based like on the, the bowls, the BCS or whatever, or like the yeah, like even the calculator. That, where it, oh, even before, like when it was like, oh well, these teams tied in the Sugar Bowl, so <laughs> the Orange Bowl champion who went ten and three but played this schedule, they're the national champion. You're like, I don't oh, understand yes, any yes, of yes, that. Yes, 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 yes. But golf is a little bit like <laughs> that in that you can make an argument. Like, there's so many different arguments to be had when everything's like clean and clear cut like the NFL or NBA playoffs, you can have yeah. arguments, but they're not as interesting because it's like, I don't know, the Warriors won 16 playoff games and lost two. What do you, what do you want me to like right. argue against, you know, right. but in golf, because guys don't play every event because majors are uh, like valued differently than other events, but they're also during the regular season. Like there's just so many arguments to make. And I think it makes our job more fun because we can sit here for an hour and and I can argue anything any which way and and uh, hopefully make you believe me. Yeah, I can't I can't necessarily prove you wrong. I can say you're wrong, right? But I can't I can't prove it. <laughs> <clears throat> well, um, it, it happened quickly when he got on tour, KP. Right? Obviously, 18th start, uh, he goes out, he wins the John Deere Classic, and then that's that kind of like kicks off rocket ship Jordan Spieth, which is. What, 14 wins worldwide from 2013 to 2017. He becomes uh, the number one player in the world. He wins three major championships during that stretch. He is uh, He has, like, one of the best seasons ever recorded on the PGA Tour. This is just, like, 
peak Jordan Spieth. Uh, I assume I'm trying to I'm trying to rewind to how I would have felt at the time, and I'm trying to tap into how you would have felt at the time. Is it just like this is never going to end? This guy this guy's going to win ten major championships. Like, what was the sentiment as he's in the middle of this run that is fairly historic? Yeah, I thought it was uh, <clears throat> I thought it was really interesting, even the way he started because. He was what nineteen in twenty thirteen, I think, like when he won the the John Deere. Yeah, so he was I born he was in nineteen July of ninety three. So if the John Deere was before July, he would have been nineteen. Yeah, so it was it was I think the I think two weeks later he turned twenty because remember he went to the Open Championship that year right after, uh, right after winning the John Deere, and even earlier than that he earned his card. I think he locked up special temporary at what is now the Valspar, what was then the Tampa Bay Championship. Yeah, he rattled off a bunch um, of like was, top tens like very early. Yeah, he was on he was on the he was like playing on the corn ferry, but he was getting exemptions and he finished T seven at at uh, at Valspar. And then I remember the the John Deere win. He he kind of like thinned that bunker <laughs> shot to to uh, <laughs> to hole out on eighteen. Yeah. And I think that was, was that to win it or to get in a playoff? I can't uh, remember. It had to be to win it. It, it was. No, it was to get oh. in a playoff. He beat Zach Johnson, David Hearn. He beat Zach Johnson and David Hearn in a playoff. What was the, didn't he do, he might have did that to Daniel Berger at another event where he, he had the same yes. bunker shot, like it either on in 18 the, and then in, in the, the playoff. playoff. Maybe that's yeah. what I'm confusing it with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he, th- he, he like almost bladed that shot out of the bunker. And I guess my point there is, is, and we talk about this all the time, but the, the margins of like, what if that ball, I think there's water on 18 at, at, uh, John Deere. What if that ball rolls into the water and he finishes T eight, right. you know, does he still win three majors from 2015 to 2017? Maybe, but maybe not. And so there's just, there's so many things that have to go your way. And he, I mean, obviously he earned it that year, but I, w- I was really compelled. I think <clears throat> we, again, this goes back to Tiger, but a 19 year old winning on the tour. I remember that being like, to me, that was a massive deal. Uh, Cause it just does. It doesn't happen. Joaquin Neiman have some success. We've seen right. Matthew Wolf have some success, but it, it just seemed it seemed different. He was so mature. He was so good. And he was so young that it was, it was, I thought it was extraordinarily compelling at the time. Yeah. So like who is 19 right now on tour? <clears throat> I don't think anybody. I was going to say, I'm, I'm like looking through and I can't find anybody. So, so already that would, uh, cause I was going to say, imagine if so-and-so went out and won, you know, 18 starts in as a 19 year old. And how we would feel about that, that that scenario might not even play out because there's, well, it's not going to play out because as of right now, there's not a chance for it to play out. So, so it, it, in theory could never happen again. It might, it probably will. These guys are getting younger. They're getting better, all that stuff. But there, there is not a comp to that. If we wanted to put it in present day PGA tour terms, it almost felt like I just read Bob Herrick's tiger and Phil book, which was really, really good and, and interesting. And Phil won the Tucson event when he was in college. He was the last, famously, the last amateur to win a PGA Tour event. Right. But I think he was still older than, <laughs> um, than I think, it, it was close. I think he was 20 when he won it. And it, that's almost what it felt like because 
you know, I think we, we see, we're like, oh, this guy should still be in college. Well, there's a difference between being like 22 or 23 and you should still be in college and being 19. Right. Like 19 is crazy. Like you, you, you're barely out of high school, you know? And, and I remember talking to, um, uh, Jonathan wall who covers, uh, equipment oh, yeah. for, a bunch of different places. He's, he's got, what and, a gr- what a great niche that is, right? Like, be the equipment guy. I always tell people, like, yeah. just be great at like one thing. Just be. I'm the equipment guy, and I'm awesome at it. Love that. Well, it, he is awesome at it, and guys don't mind. Like, they love to talk about their equipment. Yeah, and so it's almost like, and, and he does a great job beside that. But like, it, if there's one thing they do want to talk about, it's their driver, or their you know whatever. And you have the built-in like, well, the reps are going to want to talk to you about what new club so and so is using yes. this week. So you you have like a totally. built-in like that side of it. So yeah, he he does a great job. Sorry to do. But I, I remember him talking to me one time about how he was sitting next to Spieth on a flight. This was early on when he was like 19 or 20, and Spieth, because Jonathan lives in Dallas, also obviously Spieth lives here. We all. We don't hang out on the weekends, but <laughs> we all on. live pretty close to each other. Tell us, tell us the parties you guys have. <laughs> and uh, he was sitting next to him on a flight, and he, Spieth had this spreadsheet out, and he was like trying to figure out, you know, uh, what events he was going to play in, where the like, what money he was going to earn, all this different stuff. So he he was like, I think from a really young age, just very mature about planning stuff out and obviously he doesn't fly commercial anymore, but he, he, he was just, he was taking it like a 33 year old would take it and not like a 19 year old should be taking it, you know? Right. And so I, that, that story always stuck with me of just like his maturity from early on. And I think it's, you know, part of the reason that led to him having so much success over those first couple of years. Yeah. That's what, and that's what we say about, Victor and Colin too. Like when we, when we talk to Colin, it, it's like he's 35 years old and he's been on tour for a decade. It, it's, it's really, <laughs> which matters, which matters. And, um, you hope that he, he can kind of keep that, but also kind of the, the ignorance along the way. Um, I am down a, I am down a wormhole right now, Kyle on youngest PGA tour players of all time. Do you even yeah, want to fathom a guess at this? <laughs> Well, I remember Spieth being the youngest since somebody in like 1921, but I can't remember who it was. Okay, so um, this isn't necessarily winners. This is just, I guess, they've played an event. Oh, okay, okay. Don Dunkelberg. At the Dunkelberger, apologies, Don. The 1937 Chicago Open was 11 years old, 11 months, and 10 days. That's not a man. That's a child playing on the PGA Tour. Yeah, my son will be eleven in like two and a half years. Well, get That's, him ready. He can't. He can't. He can't even like. You know, the par three course is difficult for him. That's crazy. I mean, uh, the kid from from uh, from China that played the Masters was fourteen. That's underrated, Guan, by the Guan way. That's Tan Long. Tan Lang. He made the cut at fourteen at Augusta. That's stupid. It's re- that's insane. That's so stupid. I feel like we we as much as. It ever gets talked about, it can't be talked about enough. Uh, number two is Michelle Wee when she played the 04 Sony Open. 14, Sony. 14 years, two months, 29 days. Pretty cool. That's nuts. That's that's, that's crazy. I uh, think she, did she almost make the cut? I uh, I don't know. I feel like she was yeah, close, either. right? I don't remember. Um, the Open Championship at Birkdale, KP. 
it that is the divider. Did she make the cut? Are you looking it up? Yeah, I couldn't find it. I'll, I'll look. Uh, the, Burkdale is like the separator of eras for Jordan Spieth, right? It's it's the selling his soul to the devil to get the claret jug. Uh, you've described uh, his his back nine moment there as the greatest of 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 golf Twitter ever. And, yeah, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> and then starts the drought. So let let's talk about Burkdale, which I think we both understand to be um, Jordan Spieth being able to use the Spiethian creativity, uh, the situation where he just ices Kucher. I, I mean, it's just it, the the whole thing was so Spieth esque, and then he gets it done, and then that starts the drought is like. There's there's something I love about that kind of symmetry. Yeah, there was. <clears throat> so everybody should watch all of the Chronicles of a Champion Golfer on everybody who's who's done it because they're tremendous and they get. Basically, the premise is that they interview guys sitting next to the claret jug, and for some reason, there's a something gets drawn out of them when they're sitting next to that trophy, and they turn the lights on. Rory's is unbelievable. And I remember in Spieth's, he had this, he had this amazing quote where he, he, he said early on in, in the final round in 2017 at Burkdale, which by the way, Burkdale, if you go look at the winners there, it is some, some gams, some grown ass men. I mean, Palmer won there. Uh, I did not know what I that think, meant. Uh, thank you for, thank you for that. Some gams. Yeah, I like that. Go. I'm going to use that. You, you can look up who who else won there, but I think uh, I want to say either player or Hogan. No, not Hogan. I, I don't know. It, it's it's a it's a who's who list. It's really incredible. But he said early on that he was feeling, and I want to get I want to jump back to the Masters here right after this. But he was feeling the weight of the sixteen Masters early on in the final round in seventeen at the Open, and he told Michael Greller, and he was just like, I I don't like. I'm thinking some things that I shouldn't be thinking right now. And you're like, Oh my gosh, like this is, this is crazy. Like that he would admit that, you know, and he did, I mean, the, the, was it 13 where he hit the ball over by the, um, equipment trucks. Yeah, I don't know why I was thinking it was 15. It might've been 13. I think it was 13. And that was just like this all time. I mean, it was just, it was, I don't know that he can ever do anything that is more speeth than that last hour and a half or whatever it was from there to he birdied the next hole. And then he had to go get that. I mean, yeah. Kucher played the last six in like one under and just got stomped on. And you're like, what? And I'll never forget. Uh, so two things. One, Kucher's wife had come over uh, for the final round, right. maybe earlier. And she went up to Spieth and said something like, we're so happy for you. And I'm so proud of you. And you're like, oh my gosh, like this was, it, it, it becomes clear at major championships that when guys are either getting like their only chance to win one or maybe their last chance. And to me, that seemed like it was Kuchar's kind of last good chance to win a major. And for his wife to say that to Spieth was like, that was, I thought that was really meaningful. And then in in the the Chronicles of a Champion Golfer, Spee says um, something like, uh, "You know, you you don't you don't realize it at the time that 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 
that's going to go away. You're not going to be number one. You're not going to win for a while. And the fire just burns even hotter to get it back. And so I, I just think, I think he comes off sometimes as uh, more measured than a tiger and he is, but I think inside all of the best ones, like they just have such a desire to be great, hmm. to be like singularly great. And I think his is a little more hidden than most, but I think he has that inside of him. And, and that, I mean, that, that was probably my favorite, definitely my favorite final round of a major I've ever covered, even though I was just watching on TV. I mean, the go get that is, is <laughs> just all time. And the, I mean, he played the 13th hole took like 40 minutes yeah. and it, it was, you know, the, the, the USGA would have had to like reconstruct itself if it, if the, if that was at a US open because of all the rules that were being challenged and, and it was just, it was Completely insane, but also, like I said, kind of the apex of of uh, who Spieth is. It, it is kind of interesting to think <clears throat> by what Jordan said there, uh, having a taste of being the best player in the world, having a taste of being on the mountaintop and no longer being on the mountaintop almost feels worse than never getting to the mountaintop, right? It's like it feels different, like you don't have it anymore. I, I could imagine the demons that, very much begin to crawl in when you start a, uh, and he obviously didn't know at the time, but like a 1300 day stretch without, without hoisting a trophy. Yeah. You know, I, I've talked to, I haven't talked to Spieth directly about it, but I, I've, I've heard that people are kind of around him or like, yo, like there were some dark days. Like I, I believe, and I think, I think he, um, always stayed pretty upbeat about it and pretty, just like, oh yeah, we're we're grinding, we're we're good. But I think there were some days where I was like, I don't know, dude. Like, I I don't. And and you, that's I mean, that's what you would expect. Think about the PGA in 2020 when he was on the range and oh. uh, Cameron McCormick's got like the cell phone and they're like, there's just a lot going on. <laughs> You're like, this is. I don't know how this is going to go over the next couple of years. So it was good to obviously see him bounce back at uh, the beginning of 20. 21 here, here are the gams uh open championship winners at burkdale you mentioned a couple who did you name <clears throat> palmer i think you said uh palmer yep 61 Player? uh no here we go trevino yes T uh peter thompson twice arnold palmer okay trevino johnny miller tom watson ian baker finch marco mira patty harrington jordan speed it's a good list it's a great list yeah, Great it's list. it's really good. I'm trying to find that quote um, from Spieth from from that. Uh... Palmer won 1,400 pounds when he won it in 1961. A little bit of a pay, <laughs> little bit of a pay race since then. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I can't find it. I'll I'll send it to you later on. But it it yeah, like it's that. such a great quote. From, I've, I've not heard him. that before. That's that's pretty interesting. Yeah, um, he, he's he's very open in it. I I watched it. I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember that, which is shocking because I would have like when you said it, it caught it 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 caught my attention. So I'll have to go back and re and rewatch it. Um, yeah, thirteen hundred fifty one days. That that's the time between the wins. There were stretches he didn't even get close. KP six podiums in eighty four starts during the trout he uh, drought. He finally breaks through. At the 2021 Valero, which I can only imagine felt like a billion pound weight coming off of his shoulders. 
For sure. I found the quote, by the way. He said, I had been through the demons and back, and it was done. That He was talking about the 16 masters at that point. Then oh. he said, the fire burns just as deep. It was unknown back then. Now I know what it was like. I know the feeling of what it's like when you're on top of the golf world, when you have it special, and when you lose it, you want it even more. Oh, God. That's... Isn't that good? I, I am like, I've got goosebumps here. Like, that's so... <laughs> like, it's so good. Who's... Like... It's... It's really good. You need, you need go. Oh, I'm gonna make my wife watch it with me tonight. It, it's, <laughs> I have, it's fantastic. I have Armina watching the uh, Drive to Survive. She is not thrilled about it. <laughs> oh, she doesn't like it. I don't know. I think I think it takes. Well, I had to start on season one because like I'm not. I actually had never seen it before. Uh, so I had to start at season one. So we're like in the middle of season one right now, and I I, I don't know. I'm not sure she's buying into the storylines. Okay, so my wife the same thing. Thing. And season one is good. And she was kind of like, yeah, it's okay. But then season two, she was mm-hmm. like, this is awesome. Okay. So have her hang in until until the start of season two because it gets a lot better. Okay. I, Which yeah. is what everybody says about a TV show. That's but. true. Yeah. Uh, what's the, the only show, the only show that I think if they ended it after season one, it would have been the best show ever, uh, Homeland. Have you seen Homeland? I have not seen Homeland. Oh, if if it was just one season and they tweaked the ending just a bit, it would be the greatest season of television ever created. It's unbelievable. I think most most shows it's like seasons 2 through 4 and then you need to chop off yeah. one and anything after 4. Right. Yeah, Homeland cuz that's like your that's your good stuff. Um Texas Open. Yes. It was I was surprised he didn't show more emotion after he won. Yeah, I th- he, I think that's what we were kind to, of waiting for, right? And it, it never really came through. He he was trying hard not to, and his wife obviously was was bawling, and that was that was sweet. Um, that was the first time <laughs> since they'd been married that he had won, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, which I don't know if I've ever told this story publicly, but I remember I was in there. I was at Colonial in like twenty thirteen or fourteen, and. I, there was a rain delay and I was in like the cat, I was in like the, this covered area and everybody was kind of jammed in there. This was before Spieth was Spieth, but I knew who he was. I knew who Michael Greller was and Greller was in there talking to another caddy about how, uh, <laughs> just how much like Spieth was going on about his girlfriend at the time. Just, he's like, that's all she talks about. And I call this stuff. And like, knowing what I know now, it's a lot funnier than it was at the time. Cause I thought it was just, you know, a caddy talking about, and now I'm like, oh, that's, you know, one of the more famous couples in the sports world that he was talking about there. But um, <laughs> the thing I'll remember about the Texas Open, obviously, Resurrection Easter Sunday, but yeah. he, <laughs> Uh, going up 18, he hits that second shot, the par f- on the the uh, par five there, and he almost like pulls it into. I think out of bounds is over there, okay. if I'm not mistaken, yeah. on the, on the left hand side of 18. And I was thinking about how like it was it was emblematic of just the whole journey because even when it was like okay, he's gonna win this tournament, it he kind of teased you like, no, I'm actually gonna make a triple here and lose this tournament, and that was just such a perfect way for him to win it and it, it it made him i mean he played so well at the beginning of 2021 everybody looks at the win right but it was really from basically uh phoenix on where 
he was the best iron player in the world. He yeah. was probably top three T to green, top five T to green. And so going into the, that Masters last year, which he could have won if he would have putted better, it it, it uh, he I mean he became the favorite, and everybody was like, "Whoa!" And I'm like, "No, that that's actually like what should be happening here because one, he's awesome at Augusta, and two, uh, he's he's been really really good, even though he hasn't gotten the the trophy, even though he hadn't won a trophy in the first three months until the Texas Open." Yeah, it, it exactly, exactly right. He adds another one just a couple of weeks ago at the RBC Heritage. And uh, KP, now it's like, where are we, right? He's the ninth ranked player in the world. He's now won once in each of the last two years. Every time we go to Augusta National, he's going to be one of the favorites. Probably every time we go to an open championship, he's going to be one of the favorites. I, I, if you told me he doesn't win again, for another 1,300 days, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. And if you told me he won three more times this year, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I have zero idea about the state of Jordan Spieth currently and what it looks like moving forward. And that's that's, that's part of the fun. That's the right? thing. That's, that's, that's the, it's like you're on a roller coaster, but you can't see the track either. And you have no idea where you're going. Yeah, that's why the FDA has not approved this drug. Uh, I I don't know, man. Like, RBC was weird because he drove it great, but he didn't putt well. I, he's just – he's – I can't – this is this actually is the season where I can figure him out the least mm. because there were seasons, obviously uh, 14 to 17, he was really good and – the putting gets all the attention, but he was a great iron player and a pretty slightly above average driver. He was fine. He was good enough. And then 18 to 20, uh, he putted well, at least I think two of those years, just kind of out of his mind because he had to. And then everything else was kind of a mess, especially driver. And then 21, it was almost back to like the 2016 type speed. He was actually playing better going into the open last year than he was the uh, going into the open the year he wanted in 2017. Uh, and then this year, I, I, this year is the least uh, that I understand him because he's driving it really well and everything else is kind of stinky. Like he's not putting well. He might be the worst on tour from like three and a half feet other than his playing partner Will Zalatoris at times here in Dallas. Uh, I I don't I don't know I don't know what to make of him. And I think even more importantly, I don't know what to do with him historically. Because I think that like do you think that he's um so Arnold Palmer won all of his majors in like a five-year span from like 27 to 33, six-year span, something like that. And I think there's a case to be made that that's what happened to Rory. Mm -hmm. I think there's a case to be made that that's what Brooks did. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a case to be made that that's what Spieth has done. Mm -hmm. I think I think what Phil has done over the course of his career is really underrated because he's won for 30 years and he's spread his majors out over a long period of time. Right which is really hard to do because I think you can catch a heater in like a year or two years or whatever. 
get a couple of breaks and they seem to kind of bunch up. Padraig Harrington did that where he won all three in two years. And so I think the big question for me with Spieth is, is he going to be, I think he's going to be competitive on the PGA tour until he's 40, but is he going to be a winner of majors for a long period of time? And I genuinely don't know the answer to that question. I, I think he will be because I, I still think that there's like, if you win a major at 21 and three by 25, we just don't have historical precedence that you're going to be anything but like an all-time great. But that's also a small sample size because there's not that many guys that have done it. So I don't know. Where do you stand on him when he majors? I, <laughs> God, I, I think that, um, like, I think, the, I think it's most likely that he probably never wins another one, right? And that's not because of, I, I would say that about Rory. I would say it about Justin. I would say it about basically everybody just because there's only four years. There's so many good guys and there's going to continue to be an injection of new, younger, really good players as our current crop of superstars continues to get older. And there really is only, like, Phil is kind of really one of the few of this era that has won later in his career, won major championships later in his career. So it's it's bizarre because even if he wins one, one and a half PGA Tour events a year, but never wins another major championship, I think that will, I don't want to say hurt his legacy, but it might be his legacy, KP. But I also think his legacy is dependent on what Rory does and what Brooks does. Because if Rory only has all the major championships bunched up and Brooks only has them all bunched up. It's like, okay, that's, that's what we're seeing now. That's the modern game. If Rory wins two more in the next two years and Brooks wins two more and Spieth never wins another one, like that will then be a knock on Spieth, which is all entirely unfair, but that, that is what I believe to be true. Yeah. It, it's a really good point about those other guys. He's kind of had a Rory ish career, right? In terms of, Elite at 21, 22, wins his majors early. Rory had that weird, uh, what was it, 2013 season where he was pretty bad when he changed yeah. to Nike equipment. Was it 2013? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Because that was the year between his majors. He won PGA in 2012 and then Open and PGA in 2014. So 2013 was his bad year. And Spee had a little bit of that. So, uh <sighs> I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm looking at uh, data golf right now. His top comparables at age, what is he? 28 are Fred couples. Okay. It's pretty good. Uh, Ricky Fowler. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, Patrick Reed. Okay. Daniel Berger. Oh boy. Okay. Davis love the third Charles Howell, Phil Mickelson, Stuart Sink. So, there's a lot of different ways that can go. Yeah, there uh, are a lot of different ways that can go is for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's like there, some of the, the there are there were like seven paths there uh, that are all completely different. I love that. I think I think I struggle with speed because I think that he has a innate desire for greatness that maybe Rory doesn't has to like convince himself of sometimes. Right. Like that's what we talk about with Rory is he kind of has to talk himself into desiring greatness, which sounds weird, but I think it's true. And then, but coupled with that, Spieth has a, has an intense desire for like this very private life. Like he's not out and about here in Dallas. He is not like, he is very like 
doing his own thing. And I wonder if he just gets burned out by the circus of professional golf now with how much is required of him by how much he has to do by all his commitments. You know, it's just, I, I wonder that about all these guys. Um, and so I'm just, I don't know. I, I, I struggle to kind of reconcile those two things with each other. Cause I do think he has a fire, but I don't know that he, that fire is enough to overcome, like just being beaten down by all this other stuff around. I mean, he's, he's, he's got all these massive sponsors and all these obligations and stuff. And so I'm just, I'm curious to see how it goes in his thirties. I think if, and when he wins more majors, I think the open is actually his best um, venue. I mean, they're all different venues, but I think that's his best spot. Everybody looks at Augusta and he's been great there, obviously, and should have like three masters. But I think the open is where he really thrives. And that hit me last year at Royal St. George's when he was talking about, he's like, listen, I love coming here because I can be creative. I don't have to hit stock driving range shots. I can like some of his crazy stuff works better there, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think mentally he's able to, um, kind of kind of fasten himself in in ways that other guys just tend to eject it it goes back to he he does not play trackman golf right he does not fly it to a number no is not it's just like i see the pin over there i'll just saw off this like five iron and see what happens like i i I can just tap into it he's so good at it who do do you think uh better career right now kepka or spieth right now um it's got to be spieth right Three majors and more wins. And he's and yeah. he's and he's younger, isn't he? Isn't he? Is Brooks is what? Is Brooks thirty yet? I think Brooks is like thirty-one. I thought he was thirty-one too. He's thirty-two. So so Spieth is also four years younger. That's a lot. Spieth is still young. Yeah, that's crazy. Spieth is is five years young, younger than Ricky Fowler. Which is crazy. I, I let me find this. I did. Um, when did I do this? I think I did it right before I went on vacation. I did OWGR winning percentage. Here it is. So this is percent of tournament of OWGR events won of the top twelve guys in the world. So this is for their careers. It doesn't count like Zurich because that's not an OWGR event, but it does count Tour Championship, Shadow and, Leaderboard, and, and it would count anything that they played in Europe. <clears throat> right. Or Olympics or anything like that. So this is OWGR winning percentage of the top 12 guys. Scheffler's at 6%, 6.1. Rom at 9.4. That's gone up because he won. So he's at, I think he's at 10 now. Uh, Morikawa is at 8, which is a lot. Cam Smith's at 2.4. Cantlay at 4.2. Hovland, your boy, 7.4. He he wins a lot. He wins a lot. Uh, Rory's at 7.8, which is mega impressive because he's done it for 13 years. It, yeah, played all JT's the biggest at, events over that long of a period is yeah, kind of bonkers. Yeah, yeah. JT's at 6.8, which is is pretty impressive, even though he's kind of fallen off wins wise over the last two years. Uh, Spieth is at 6.6, so he's basically the same as JT. Yeah, uh, a little bit below Rory. DJ's at 7.6, again super impressive because he's 38 years old. Uh, Burns, Sam Burns is at 3.5 and Xander's at 3.7. So Spieth is the one, two, three, four, five, sixth highest, but 
Hovland's a little bit like sample size is small and Morikawa's sample size is pretty small as well. And Rom's. So I, I think Spieth's number of 6.6 is, I think it's pretty impressive. I, I don't, obviously it's gone down a lot. I think it was at 12 earlier. Yeah, I mean, he went, he went 84 starts without one. So. Right, right. <laughs> Consecutive. So I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't, I think that, and this is what I got a little concerned about after RBC Heritage is, is this just who he is where it's like, okay, he'll win and then he'll contend in two majors and then he'll fall off for seven months and then he'll contend in another major. And then a year later he'll win because like that, that'll be fine. And that's a good career. It's a career that a lot of guys would love to have, but it's, it doesn't feel as special as, what we thought he was going to be early on. Okay, that that's that's the that's the takeaway because what you described is an awesome career, and you're right. There are yeah. guys who would love to fall off for seven months a year, find a win, contend at a couple of major championships, and be smitten. But because that's not the media, you know what we thought from the meteoric rise, and it's not these expectations that we put on a guy that you, as you mentioned, has a ton of sponsors, has a ton of obligations. It doesn't feel good enough, but it like that very much is a great, a great career. If he does that for 10 years. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's hard because, and we do this in single events where our takeaway, like if a guy plays bad in round one and then great in round four, we remember the most recent thing and we're like, Oh, he's got a ton of momentum even though he could have shot the same score. And if you flip the, 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 how the rounds went, we'd say, oh, he's, he's not playing very well. <laughs> so right. well, he shot the same score, right? right? And I think with Spieth's career, and I think, um, I think DJ has actually benefited from this because he, he has sort of like always gotten like incrementally better over the course of his career. And for somebody like Spieth, and to an extent Rory, they're always fighting the expectation that they had when they were, I mean, Rory said it this week. He's like, the best golf I've ever played is when I was 22 and I played the U.S. Open at Congressional. And you're like, man, that's that's great. It's a little bit of a bummer because I want to <laughs> yeah. see you play your best golf at well, 33 and or he's been 35. Cha- and he's know, been whatever. chasing that for a dozen years. <laughs> right, right. And so it, it's, it almost feels like even though, like if Spieth would have flipped his career around, we'd be, I mean, Think about the conversation we'd be having right now if his career was flipped around where he struggles early on yeah. and then he figures it out. And then the last two years, he's winning three majors. We'd be like, oh, this is unbelievable. This is going to be amazing. Scotty Scheffler is the micro version of that where it kind of took him a while to get yeah. started. Now yeah. he's rattled off four. Now we're like, this guy might be the greatest player to ever live. Like, we don't know what, like what's going right. to happen. That's what we would be saying. And okay. So I'm a big, um, and we can get out of here soon, but um What's the guy who used to be the GM for the 76ers during Trust the Process? Why am I blanking on it? Sam Hinkie. Okay. Sam Hinkie. Sam yeah. Hinkie. Okay. He had all these weird ideas, and I loved every single one of them, where he would, like, they'd go, he'd go into scouting and be like, oh, you're watching game film on LeBron James. Uh, why, why are you watching the game in order? Like, why are you watching the first quarter mm-hmm. and then the second quarter? And what he ended up doing was he had somebody just slice up all the plays like remove remove the time and on the clock and all that stuff from the corner and like just just watch the plays like the order doesn't matter uh just sh- like what do you see on this because you're you're being biased based on the order that you're seeing this stuff in yeah and I was like this guy's brilliant I love this guy that's so good <laughs> and it's true and it it, it it's 
it's human nature to do that. Like we remember only the most recent thing. That's just, that's just how we're wired. That's just how we're built. But it is unfortunate for guys careers who I think especially like speak to an extent, but I think especially Rory where it's like, dude, what, why, what's wrong with Rory? And it's like, well, <laughs> what if he had won one major when he was 22 and one when he was 25 and one when he was 29 and one when he was 33 and we'd be like, Oh, this guy's, this is so good. Like, this is the best, but in, but because it came in bunt in like one cluster and so much of that is luck, right? Where it just, it just falls your way for three weeks in, in the summer of 2014. And, uh, you know, that's golf. And I, and I do think that's why, like, again, I'll argue that what Phil did over the, like, yeah, extending that out is super impressive because it's really, really, really hard to do. And even more so in 2022 or 2021 when he won the PGA. So all that to say, like, I, I don't, I don't, I actually don't think Spieth has done winning majors. I think he gets to four or five, but I also wouldn't be surprised if, if that was it, if he stayed at three for the rest of his career. I, I hope not. That would be a huge, but I mean, think about telling yourself in 2017 at Birdale that that was the last major. Uh, yes. And I hope he does just for the state of the game and he's a superstar and everything else that comes along with it. I hope he's not done. Uh, I hope he's, yeah. got, I hope he's got a lot more winning to do. Um, yeah. And it, Either way, it'll be entertaining. So the Phil, the Phil Mickelson deep dive that we'll have to do at some point will be like a ten parter. Uh, this <laughs> this Jordan Spieth one could be as well. But KP, um, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you uh, sharing some thoughts on on Jordan Spieth. Any uh, any final thoughts before we before we get out of here? Um, no, I well, I, I we talked very briefly about the Masters. I think my favorite memories of him are actually from Augusta, which we didn't totally get to. So maybe we'll have to do that as a separate one, but I'll, I'll never forget. Actually, probably my favorite memory is 2016. So he, I was, I was standing on 12 when he hits it in the water and I wish I could recreate the sound that was made on the golf course when, by, when by he hit it in the, or by like, <laughs> no, 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 uh, by, by everybody when he hit it in the water a second time. Cause I've never heard anything like it. I've never heard anything since then that was similar. I was standing with Kevin Van Valkenburg of ESPN.com and we were just like, it was almost shock over just like, it was almost like the Truman show where you're like watching like people, like this thing play out and you're like, I, I don't think this is real, but also like, it might be real, like, but I'll ne the, the shot that I'll actually remember came cause he birdied, I think he birdied, uh, I think he birdied 13. I think he birdied 14. I think he parred 15. And then he hit a shot on 16 to that pin that at the, we were behind the tee box on 16 and I grabbed, uh, Kevin KVV's shirt as he hit it. And I said, that's a, that's going in. That's a one. And it went like two, it almost hit the stick and, and it went and the pitch mark was like right by the pin. But the problem was it's that pin that is um, obviously back. Well, middle left. And it went a little bit past it. And so he had this downhill putt and he hadn't, he had no chance to make it. So the dream kind of died then when he didn't make a birdie on 16, but he, he's just, 
I, and he did the same thing at Bergdale, right? When he almost made the, he almost made the ace on 14 after making the, the best bogey of all time on, I think it was 13. And he, he's just, that's, that's where I'm at with his career of like, as soon as I think he's cooked, he just, he continues to keep coming back. And that's, that's the fire that he was talking about earlier that I think burns in him on like a, it's not as prominent as it was with tiger. You don't get the fist pumps and stuff like that, but I think it burns pretty deep. And I think that is probably the most compelling thing about him that he just keeps bouncing back, keeps bouncing back. And I, I hope he continues to do so for the rest of his career. Yeah. That's, that's the magic beans. The fire is the magic beans that, that we joke about. And he's able to kind of summon these things that are yeah. unsummonable and he's able yeah. to pull it off. It's amazing. Yeah. And that's not, that's not true of all superstars, right? No. I, I think you, no. you, you look at a lot of guys that are, we see this in basketball a lot, guys that are seven foot, they just have, they don't, they just play basketball because they're seven foot, right. you know? And I think Spieth plays golf because he loves playing golf. And that's the, that's the Phil part of him, I think. And I think it's really compelling. KP, Kyle Porter. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you hopping on. Uh, you can find Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been... Another episode of 300 Yards to Unknown. Catch you next time.